0: The Secrets to Becoming a Successful Solopreneur with Jess Birkin, episode 295. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit With Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the Firm Differentiator 10x Effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another amazing guest interview here on the Profit With Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and today I have uh, an amazing guest, somebody who I have been trying to Connect with and do something with for a long time. It all started with our first law firm growth summit. Um, She was supposed to be a speaker, and then Google or Microsoft messed it up with sending my emails to spam. But we finally have her here on the show. And I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to have Jess Birkin with me because um, people who know her know that she's passionate about helping other lawyers um and as part of like her hobby or side gig or passion project and uh that excites me it excites me because i there's there's there are not enough people out there helping law firm owners i can't do it all um and neither can any of the people out there who are doing it uh we kind of need like a force and uh, jess is part of that force and she's here with us so i'm excited to have her here on the show she is a law firm owner, just like you. She's the owner of Birkin Law Office, and she's a solopreneur attorney, helps nonprofits solve problems so they can stop worrying and get back to their mission. Uh, You can find her at Twitter, at Jess Birkin. Um, And when Jess isn't lawyering, she helps other lawyers to change their lives and their law practices through her Hack Your Practice project. And you can join her Hack Your Practice crew at www.hackyourpractice.lawyer. And that URL, as long as long with any other references or resources that we share on this episode are going to be listed below in the show notes to this episode in your podcast player. If you don't see them there, you can go to profitwithlaw.com and you can find them there. All right, Jess, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: It's my absolute pleasure. And I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with you. This is one of those, uh, I'm, pretty much every interview I do is kind of like unformatted, but this is one of those interviews where you're like, uh, I don't have an agenda. I don't have anything specific. I want to talk about, let's just talk. And I love those because who knows what's going to come out of that. Um, (laughs) so, you know, you're, you're in Minnesota, I'm in New York, you know, anything can happen. Uh, so, (laughs) so let's first talk about like, there are people listening who don't know who you are. Shocker. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your backstory, how you ended up doing what you're doing and hack your practice and all that jazz.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So my origin story, what is my origin story? Now I'm wearing a cape in my mind. I, so I'm (laughs) one of the lawyers that like graduated right before the great recession. So I graduated in like 2007 and I clerked for a judge. I had the A game resume. I was, you know, doing all the things right. And after clerking for the judge, there were just no other jobs like at all because of the recession. So I ended up just saying, screw that. And I went back to school and I went to business school and I got a master's in nonprofit management, which is like an MBA for nonprofits.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I joke to um, um, attorneys that say, well, they don't teach business in law school. And I tell them, yeah, but they don't teach business in business school either. So (laughs)
1: you're not wrong.
0: I have I have an MBA, and I there is zero coverage of running a small business in the MBA program.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I ended up working in a bigger national nonprofit for a while. And I I was not in-house counsel, but I was not not using my lawyer skills either. I was kind of like in their public finance team. I was doing a lot of compliance and a lot of contracts, a lot of real estate deals. And I did that for four or five years. And then I just, it was kind of a dead end thing where there was no upward mobility for rank or salary and had a nonprofit, big shocker, right? So then I ended up leaving and joined up with this other lady who was doing nonprofit law and went into private practice. And then I did that for a few years and that just wasn't a very good match ultimately as business partners. So I ended up hanging my own shingle and I've been doing Birkin law since then. And I want to say we're coming up on my fifth, sixth year as a totally solo, solo practice lawyer. Um. Up. Yeah. In March, it'll be my anniversary, and then I have. I do have a staff person, and I have a paralegal, and I do have one contractor, part-time associate. So I am kind of growing, but still pretty solo-like.
0: Yeah. Um. And you know, it's funny because I was in a a a room. Um, and I'm trying to recall where this was probably one of my, one of our coaching calls or uh, somebody made the comment of I'm a true solo. I have nobody working for me. And I, and, and I said, well, actually a solo just is referring to the attorney, like you can be a solo and have a staff of four or five people and you're still a solo. Like there, there's no attorneys working there that yeah. you're a solo. Um, and, and it's like, it's almost like it's a badge of honor that oh, I haven't hired anybody and I'm doing everything myself. And that's I'm the most masochistic, ridiculous
1: <laughs> uh, work hoarding, dysfunctional person who can't delegate. That's what I hear.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the it's the it's like the dumbest thing that you could possibly say, because how, how can you make a case for how awesome it is that you are the mailroom clerk?
1: I Right. I don't know. And I mean, <laughs> Like, let me just be real with you. Like I will do everything in my power to not pay a human to do a thing. So I get that, right? Like I don't want the wage and hour responsibility if I don't have to have it, but also like it's silly to hoard all the work for yourself. Like you can get so much more done if you delegate to, and I don't care if that's a person or robots through like zap through automation or a contractor on Upwork or, you know, but you should not be doing your books and you should not be tweaking your website. Like all those things are not glorious. Like why, why are you so excited that you're the AR and accounts payable clerk? Like, I don't right. know.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and the truth is is that people don't stop and, and take a look at the math, right? if you think about it, and the best way for me to highlight this is to use another attorney as an example, right? So if you're the, if you're a solo and you're a true solo, right? I'm using quotes around that. Um, so I'm doing everything. Well, if you're doing everything, you're not lawyering all the time. So maybe you're billing 500 to 750 hours annually as a solo, right? If you hire an attorney and let's just take this You need to have the clients and the work off the table. Let's just assume that 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 comes. Right. If you hire an attorney and their job is to only be an attorney and nothing else, how many billable hours can you expect them to have? And I would say... The industry standard is probably about 1,800, but I would say that if you're a human and you have a heart in your chest, right. that you should probably decrease that to 1,500 so that there is time for them to breathe and eat and actually have some time off. But so it, a, a typical full-time employee working throughout the year works 2,000 hours. So if you have 1,500 billable hours, that that means that you're pretty much billing you know, six to seven hours a day in an eight-hour day. That sounds
1: fair. If I had Which an is, associate, I would want that.
0: Yeah. So if we turn around and say, well, what are you going to bill an associate at? Give me a number, Jess.
1: Oh, let's say, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of the country. This person's a new attorney. Yeah.
0: 275.
1: They side gig as a snowplow
0: driver, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's just say 250 to make the math easy.
0: Okay, so 250 times 1500 is three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars of annual revenue that that a full-time attorney can be bringing in to your firm. Now, you billing at 750 hours, what's your rate? 325?
1: It's a a lot more than that. (laughs) (laughs) What's your rate? Uh, if well, so this is an interesting side, but I don't do hourly billing anymore. Okay. So I haven't actually set an hourly love, rate for I a love, long time.
0: I love that. I love that. And and I actually don't like hourly billing, but I like hourly for this conversation. Yeah. let's
1: just say all you bought were like limited scope consultations from me for an hour. Right now, they're four fifty a pop on average.
0: Okay, so so our full time attorney is bringing in three hundred seventy five thousand, right? And then you at seven hundred fifty hours. Times, what did you say? 450. 450 is bringing in 337,000, right? Now, what if you could be that attorney that's doing 1,500 hours of billable work, right? So you have 1,500 times 450, 675,000. Well, what we've highlighted here is a few things. First, we've highlighted that if you bring on an attorney and you only bill them at 275, you're leaving a lot of money on the table, charge them, bill them at 425 or 450 (laughs) and raise your raise your rate. But the other thing is, is we've demonstrated that by you owning the other functions, by you not being a full time attorney. You've left three hundred and thirty seven thousand dollars on the table.
1: Yeah, so. and the other thing is, do you actually enjoy the the business stuff? Because I find a lot of lawyers are like, I just want a lawyer. I just want to be a lawyer. They don't they claim that they're good at doing all the businessy things, but they're actually not like it's like, well, when's the last time you ran a P&L? And they're like, well, I have to enter the last five months of expenses first. Exactly. I, I have do to do catch
0: up my QuickBooks from last year. I didn't need it until I had to do my taxes. All right. So I have no idea. Um, which leads us to like bank balance accounting and why I love Profit First. But anyway, uh, be that as it may, I agree with you a thousand percent that you don't enjoy it. You're not good at it. It's going to take you longer than it's going to take somebody else. And what are you sacrificing for it? Like how many bookkeepers could you have on staff If you just build 1500 hours a year, right? Like
1: I I want to say my books, uh, like I pay a bookkeeper and it's less than half of one billable hour of my time and they know what they're doing and can do it 10 times faster than I can.
0: And they love it. And you're putting food on their table. And at the same time, you're buying back all that time for yourself. So all this, all this to wrap around and say, like, there's nothing wrong with being a solo and having an army working for you. Like the art of figuring out how to being a solo is basically saying that I, I only want a single lane highway. I don't want a three lane highway. I don't want to have to upkeep a three lane highway. I want a single lane highway, but that doesn't mean that you don't have that, that, that you don't get the option of driving a Tesla instead of a Yugo.
1: Right. Well, and I, I feel like lawyers, we get very um, fixed in our mind about what that means. and, there are lawyers who are some of of them are good friends of mine where they're like, I'm I'm adding another associate and more associates and more. So I'm going to scale, scale, scale. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. I don't care about having a hundred lawyer law firm. That's not a thing I'm into, but would I like to be a dentist with like 15, you know, technicians, maybe sure. You know? And so we get like this idea that like, the The delegation has to look a certain way and mm-hmm. it really doesn't like you don't have to hire a legal secretary or a paralegal you could just start with outsourcing your call answering to a service right and the, and you're still freeing up your time to lawyer at the top of your license right so it's like getting yourself out of that functionally fixed brainwave that we all are on too because like People don't do the math like you just did that, all that great math. And it's like people are not doing that math. Or
0: exactly. But that's why I'm here behind this microphone doing the math. Right. Because uh, you haven't done it. Right. People, not you, you, but you, the listener the royal. You, you haven't <laughs> exactly you out there, the collective you both, both in, in Minneapolis and Wisconsin and California and New York. Right. So let me ask you, Jess because I clearly have some, some strong opinions here. What are like, if you had to pick three things that if an attorney is, I mean, let's just say that they're solo. Cause that's, you know, that that's your experience. That's your stopping yep. grounds right now. Right. So let's say that we're talking to a solo and they, they, they simply, they're like, I am working my ass off and I've got nothing to show for it. Like I'm taking home a salary that's less than the guy at McDonald's. Right. Yep what is the key for them to unlock success? The game is you have to give me only three things for them to fix or change. Oh,
1: what God. do you think okay. are the
0: three things that if, it, like, if you, from all the conversations you've had with attorneys, you know that most likely these are the three things that they can fix and change, and it would significantly move the needle for them.
1: Well, if they're solo and they have plenty and we're assuming they have plenty of work and they're just not making enough money, then my sort of gut feeling is it comes down to poor time management. So first thing I would do is say they should read some Cal Newport books. Go look at deep work. Because my guess is your smartphone is sitting on your desk and you're checking the Facebooks and you're looking at Twitter and you're like, oh, look over there, squirrel, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When you should be focusing on the Smith file. So one is to just start to know yourself and putting some boundaries on yourself. Um, there's, if you're, if you sign up for my pen pals list, I send you this list of five apps that will change your, your lawyer life. And one of them is this app called freedom and it's a stupid app, but it'll help you stop using those things that are keeping you from getting done. Can I swear on this podcast? Right. Sorry. I,
0: <laughs> I don't know the rules. Um, it's my show, but I have no idea. I, I, I think we might have to put an E for explicit on it. I don't know. Just. <laughs>
1: I'll try not just, to do just that just
0: do what you need to do. Don't worry about it. We'll worry about the rest on the back end. If we if we need to bleep it out, I'm sure my editor will figure that out.
1: Fair enough. So, really understanding like where you're losing your time is number one, and then I would I think number two is guarding the time that you have. And I cannot say enough good things about using online scheduling. I like Acuity. My friend Eric likes Calendly. There's like a baked in one in Microsoft Office that I think is garbage, but if you want to use it, go ahead. There, the point is there's lots of these solutions out there and you can protect your time and really make sure that you have the space needed to bill the hours and you're not being constantly interrupted by a client call or somebody walking into your office or whatever, right? And then the other thing, third thing would be... Um, call answering and just delegating that away immediately. And there's always somebody in the room who's like, well, I just don't get very many calls and I just can't justify the expense. And I'm like, do you, do you, do you not get the spam phone calls that I do? Do you not get, oh, I updated my Avvo profile and now Avvo is calling me like every five minutes for the next 30 days to try and sell me whatever. There are so many calls that we get that are not necessarily clients, but they're still taking your brain away from the focused work that you're trying to do at the top of your license and distracting you with some little thing that's, and the the science is, I'm sorry, you're not a good multitasker. Right. (laughs) And the time that you lose between switching tasks is incredible when you add it up over the course of a day. So yeah, do you only get four or five calls a day? Fine, but that's maybe two hours worth of time that you had to like recenter, refocus, get back into the Smith file, figure out where you were, get your train of thought going again. And we're doing deep analytical thinking work, we're doing heavy emotional work. Your work is important and it's not casual when you're doing it, right? So, those would be my three things.
0: Hang on. So, first of all, you cheated because that's one thing because time management is one thing. So we're going <laughs> to still get, we're going to oh, still get, more, more? we're going to still Dang get two more, we're going to still get two more things from you. But before that, let me quickly plug Smith AI. they are our answering service of choice. Go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash Smith AI. Um, we love Maddie Martin, who's here all the time and all the different things that we do. She's the one who connected you and I. Um, yeah, I cannot so if say you... enough
1: good things about Smith. I've been with them for like forever. And it's amazing. Yeah. And I don't have a huge call volume, but like just getting, but that's not
0: the point, right? That's not the point. And, and you may, you, you know, you said it best, right? Uh, The one thing that I would add to everything you shared is that you're, when you are done with the interruptions, how are you, how are you clocking your time for that client? And I know that you are not billing hourly, but most of the law firms out there are, and we can talk about getting away from hourly billing, but, um, You're 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 clocking you're you're you have you're on the clock for your client. So who's paying for the phone call you just took? Are you keeping the clock running? No, that wouldn't be ethical, right? You're stopping the clock. So now you're stopping the clock, starting the clock. How good are you at that? Most people are not good at it. So what they do is is they'll do two hours of work on a client, and they will have taken four calls in between, and then they're sitting there saying, "Hmm, I didn't really work two hours because I took those four calls. So I think I need to shave." half hour off so you're estimating and you're always estimating in a way that's against you and not against your client because you don't feel right you know giving you know giving them the short end of the stick so who's getting the short end of the stick you are so and and then who what about the that context switching who's paying for that and that you know so it all becomes this very muddy situation where it's like that's part of the problem of why you can't bill for the services that you're doing because you feel like, oh, this shouldn't have taken me this long. Yeah. It shouldn't have taken you that long because you got interrupted 17 times. And you're right. Your client shouldn't be paying for that. But that's why in Clio's legal trends report, they're constantly highlighting how drastically different the actual amount you collect is from the actual amount of hours that you work.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I was just about to say, and we've all been there on invoicing day where you see your time tickets all added up and then you think, holy, per- like I cannot send this bill to the client. I didn't really take all that time, did I? That's insane. And then you write it off.
0: Right. And then <laughs> and and then you're not charging for 25 right. an hour. You're now charging 275 an hour because you wrote off all that time. Um, so to 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 put time management into a, a quick bubble, well, what you said was remove distractions. Uh create a a a system or a framework around your time you called it calendaring but i think that it's basically creating time blocks where now i'm doing lawyer work now i'm answering emails now i'm doing you know and put that on your calendar so that people aren't scheduling times with you in between um, when you're supposed to be doing those things and the last thing is starting to delegate some of the work. And the first thing to delegate is the thing that's the most intrusive, which checks the two boxes we just said, which is to have that phone call answered by someone else. So time management check, that is the number one thing that you think that a solo attorney who's struggling to see profit from their business should be focusing on to, uh, t- to change the script and to start to reverse the trend and get things to work in their favor. What's the second thing?
1: Oh, I like how you turn my three things into one thing. You're, you're a terrible person, Masha. Um, okay. <laughs> I think the second thing is just to keep, um, I don't want to say delegating. Cause I, I want to say automating, but I'm afraid of scaring people. Because once I start talking about automating a certain amount of lawyers listening to this, just their eyes roll back in their head and they're like, I don't know, I don't know how that works, but you're there. Can I I interrupt you?
0: Can I interrupt you for one second? Yes. Okay, because there are going to be people who say, I don't know. I don't know how that works. And I think that this is a very good place to talk about who, not how. Right. When, you're, when, you, when, when you hear Jess say automation and your mind goes to, I don't know how that works, or I'm not good with technology, or I can't figure that out, you immediately jump to the most important thing in business. And that is, you don't need to know how it works. You shouldn't know how it works. You should not go and figure it out. What you should do is you should go to Google and find somebody who does know how it works, who could figure it out, and you should pay them to figure it out for you.
1: Yes. Amen. Now talk about automation. (laughs) Okay. So there are things that you do that are annoying that you don't like, or that just suck up little minutes of your day. Right. So you, um, you meet someone and they give you the business card and you have to like hard code in their name, their address, their phone number, Well, wouldn't it be better if you met someone because you use online calendaring, you already know their name, their phone number, their email, because your online calendaring system collects that automatically? And then you have a Zap from Zapier, which is like the, if you think of Star Trek, it's like the universal translator that speaks all the languages and translates between the different little computer programs and it says hey acuity scheduling you know uh this person you know tim smith's name phone number and email i would like to tell microsoft outlook contacts this information and create a new contact for jess and so i have all kinds of these things set up where you know, lawyers are like, well, it only takes two seconds and it's really not a big deal. But when you add up all of those minutes and all of those little to-dos and all those little moments where you're like, oh yeah, I got to add Tim Smith to contacts. That card is still on my desk. That's all sucking away your energy and taking your time. Um, so automating all of the things like that, that you can frees up more of your time to be billable which is what you need when you're running a small shop. And I don't care if you're a solo or like a five lawyer firm that totally applies to everybody yeah, in your office.
0: Absolutely. And And automation can be as simple as contact entry and then transference between systems so that you're not doing double and triple and quadruple data entry for the same information. But it could also be automating certain parts of the customer service and client experience process or the sales and marketing process so that you're not dropping the ball, so that things are not relying on you. Because how many of us have been in the mode where, oh, I need to get clients, I need to get clients, and all of a sudden I'm sending out newsletters to people and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And now I get two or three clients and now I'm serving those clients and we completely forget about the fact that we need clients.
1: And now three months goes by
0: and nobody hears from us because I'm busy serving those clients I got. And now I finish those engagements and I turn around. I'm like, holy crap, I don't have any work to do.
1: Right. And being a business owner, you have to always be farming. You have to always be planting seeds that will grow into work later. Right. So you, you can't do that. And we know that, but it's hard to do all the things. So like, to your point, one of the things I've automated is our well, our intake process, but even before that, like the sales process, right? So somebody reaches out and says, Oh, Jess, I'm interested in starting a nonprofit. And I heard you're just the lawyer to help me. And I'm like, yes, I am. And we're going to respond to them as quickly as possible. That's number one. So like, we're going to respond as a real human being like, Hey, so-and-so, yes, we can help you with that. Um, that's great. If you'd like to schedule an, appointment." Appointment to talk about that. Click here to use our online calendar process. And then we BCC a special email address that adds them to an active campaign, which is like MailChimp, constant contact, a, a drip campaign. That's And I say in the email or my assistant does like, Hey, we're going to send you some more information about our firm. And then over the next seven days, there's a little welcome sequence that drips out to them that says, Hey, hi, I'm Jess. Like, Hey, this is an automated email. Just being real. Like, I just wanted to tell you more about my law firm and here's who we are and here's what we do. And then like three days later, it's like, Hey, how are you? You might want to see some client testimonials from my firm. Here's some links to YouTube where you could watch those. And it's just like it systematizes and automates that process. So when I was doing it myself, I'm no longer having to do it. And now Megan, who works with me, I'm not paying her 25 bucks an hour or whatever it is to go out and send those emails and to be consistent every single right. time. And let's
0: and let's be real, because when you were doing it yourself, there were times where you're like, oh, crap, I forgot oh, to yeah. send the YouTube testimonial video. Now they're coming into this meeting and they didn't see how awesome we are. Or oh, I'll have crabby. to manage.
1: And some client made me mad when I respond to the potential client, and I have a little tude that I'm not even aware of in my, you know, email because mm-hmm. I'm just in a bad mood today. Like, no, that's we don't want that. Right. <laughs> I want it exactly. to be quality every time.
0: So what automating does in that example is it doesn't just save you time, it doesn't just save you the cost of having someone else do it, but it creates consistency around the what you're trying to pre- represent and what you're trying to create from the beginning, from the initial touch point through the customer service experience to the end of client engagement. And you can automate getting reviews from clients. You can automate like there's so much of that communication can be automated because if you start to sit down and think about all your different interactions with your clients, the only ones that are specific are when you're actually in the heat of their of their matter. But before and after, and even somewhere in between, there's always stuff that is pretty much the same from client to client. And whenever you have the same, you should be thinking automate. And you can go crazy. I mean, like I have coaching clients that have you, you know implemented something uh, called Loya, which was recently recently bought by um, by. Um Clio and Loyal is a document automation platform where it takes time to get this right, but you can build in logic and you can have them fill in the information so that you can literally churn out completed legal documents that you would have spent hours to draft. And have them input the information, and it spits out a completed legal document that now all you need to do is spend 30 minutes to an hour reviewing. And if you're a flat fee practice, if you're doing a subscription model, if you're doing any of those things where you're not billing hourly, you now can charge what you would have been able to charge before, which is $1,800, 2000 2500 for that document, and you spent an hour on it. And yeah, now I you're charging that 2500 was... an hour exactly. instead of...
1: Instead That's exactly it. And even if you bill hourly, you're you really want to pay your paralegal to cut and paste the name, the address? That no, you don't. Like they're still going to need to do all the formatting and check it over and whatever. But there's no reason that you can't just have that information available and use document automation to like get get the thing started. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So so I I think that when when you uh, Cause I, I think automation is huge, especially when, when, when you're solo, see, I, I have the law firm growth formula. It's a framework I created where we basically go from plan to grow to scale in the grow phase. When they're in the growth, fra- grow phase it, the ga- name of the game is maximizing your, um, your, uh, why is the word escaping me? Is that you? This old, happens sure. to you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Getting old. Uh, I am not. All those years old. of
1: parenting. <laughs> I'm not years old. off your life and your brain. Yes,
0: and 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 it you multiply the years of parenting times the quantity of kids. Right. I I got six kids, so it's there like there you go. You're right, like ninety-two
1: internal uh, clock. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dog years. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. Anyway. Uh, capacity is the word I was looking for. So, when you're in the grow phase, your the name of the game is maximizing your capacity. So, your capacity is fixed; it's that one lane highway. So, how do we push more through that one lane highway? Well, we do it by getting a faster vehicle. You can't fit more vehicles there, but you can get a faster vehicle. And ha- so, what? It's you. You are the vehicle, right? So, how do you make yourself faster or be able to perform more? It's by getting as much of what you're doing off your plate, which includes even the legal work. And yeah. sometimes it's handing it off to a paralegal, to an assistant. But if you, if you look at technology first and you look at automation first, so I have a, a methodology, the DAD methodology, which I got from my coach, which I teach to my clients, which is delete, automate, delegate. Every time that you're looking at a task, you should be saying, do we even need to be doing this? And if we don't need to be doing this, let's get rid of it. Let's stop doing it. And, or is there something else that we could do that would eliminate it, right? So maybe we have to be doing it in the current form, but if we did it a different way, we wouldn't have to be doing it anymore. And then, We should be looking and saying, can we automate this process? Now, not everything should be automated. If it's going to cost you more to automate than it would cost you to do it manually for the next 15 years, then it probably shouldn't be automated. But we are so far advanced with our technology today and our capabilities that so much of what we're doing could be automated. We simply just need to, to understand that it could be. And then the rest is, I mean, literally hire a teenager on your street and say, here, I'll pay you $25 an hour, come in here and figure out how to automate this stuff for me. And And they will figure it out for you.
1: it's not a $50,000 project. I mean, like people listen to me talk sometimes and they're like, I can't do all those things you mentioned. It's like, you don't have to do all of the things. You just can start with one. You know, there are so many no code solutions like Zapier, or, you know, the things that integrate with Clio, like just connect the tools you already have and get somebody on Upwork to help you do that. It's not going to be that expensive. I promise people think it's like this huge undertaking. I'm I'm like, I work with small charities, man. Like I don't have a bunch of money to throw (laughs) at this stuff.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And really it's not about it has nothing to do with who you're working with, right? Because I'm sure that you still charge your worth, right? Mm-hmm. It has to do with increasing your capacity. It has to do with getting you to be closer to that attorney that you, ha- that you would have hired who's doing 100% legal work from who you are now who's doing 50% legal work at, at maximum. Many, many solos that we're talking to are not even hitting 750 hours of productive legal work.
1: If the the point is increase your time spent getting billable, then you got to get rid of some of this other stuff. You just have to, there's only so many time is our most precious resource. There's only so many hours in a day.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So we've got two in the bag. What What is number three for you?
1: Well, number three, I just teed up with my last comment, and it's having boundaries. Because here's the thing I think we as small firm business owners or solos tend to like kill ourselves and be on 24 seven and you're like answering the client's email at 10 p.m. And you're on the weekend, you're at the the Timmy's T-ball game and you're, you know, chatting with the client when you should be watching the T-ball. And the problem there is you're getting more and more burned out and you cannot do your best work. You can't actually be that productive. If you're a parent, you know, you're telling your, your middle schooler your high schooler it's more important to get a good night's sleep before the exam, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Why do we say, say that to our students? Because your brain is a more effective machine when it has fully rested, right? And so having good boundaries around, I am going to be done working. And yeah, maybe your life is such that you've got to go back and like hit the desk at 9 PM for some reason for an hour, but telling yourself I'm clocked out from this time to this time and like I used to have to like do like a little you can't see my hands but I'm like waving them around like some sort of like seal over my desk like I am done with this right now and I am walking away to tell my brain like take a break from this And then setting those boundaries with clients so that they understand that they that you are not their slave that is going to like respond 24 7 to every little thing all the time and teaching the clients what your reasonable boundaries are will do so much for your productivity because you will hit the desk every day having the time to manage things having automated away a bunch of stuff and knowing like i took time for myself or for my family I'd had fun, I like did something other than be at the beck and call and you won't be as burned out. And that just, it does so much for your ability to concentrate and like build time and be a lawyer.
0: Absolutely. I I agree with you a thousand percent. I think that um, the more that you get good at boundaries, the more productive you get. It almost goes hand in hand with the first thing that you shared. Um, because when you don't like, when you think, oh, I have all this time later that I can get to it, you're going to punt everything to later. So now you're busy from 7 PM to midnight because you allowed that to happen. But if you said, no, my end, end of day is at 4:30 like I got to get this done between now and 4:30 you're going to just get down and do it. And it's going to just make you more productive, and so it's going to—they go hand in hand with each other. And I love these things that you shared. And I know we're almost out of time. I'm going to share one bonus from me because um, I gave you three, so I'm going to—I'm going to take one, and that is how you price your services. I know that we touched on it as, as something that oh, well, maybe we'll get to talk about this, but whether you're billing hourly or whether you're you're looking at some alternative fee arrangement um, and even if you're if you're contingency you always want to be looking at what is the average client value um, that i have for my for my clients so if you're billing hourly and you know your average engagement is four hours and you're charging 300 bucks an hour so your average client value is 1200 bucks you, the name of the game is how do i get my average client value to increase how do i get somebody who's currently paying me 1200 to pay me 1500 2000 2500 and if you start to look at that if you start to look at that number and say I can move the needle on this I can make this work um you can double your revenue by doubly, doubling your average client value and if you if you are willing to go out on a limb and switch things up so let's say that your your average is $1200 and you turn around and you say I'm going to make this flat fee and I'm going to, instead of doing four, four hours, I'm going to make this flat fee and I'm going to charge $3,000 for it. They don't need to know how many hours it's taking. Exactly. They, all they care about is the fact that it's not going to cost me a penny more than $3,000 to get the solution. And now you've essentially more than doubled the amount of revenue you're collecting. And now if you get even better at automation and, the, and time management, those things that we mentioned all of a sudden you've increased the ability for you to move that car down that highway way faster than you were doing before. So uh, I think that, that the three things you shared are awesome and massive and powerful. And I think that if you couple those with really honing in on your pricing and taking fear out of the equation and just going for something that is bold and audacious and crazy um, is, is, re- is really going to... to, to um, Make you explode into in a in a great way in a great totally. way.
1: Totally, I had a great coach, Roy Ginsburg, who's like a brilliant. He's like a like a little like Jewish grandpa kind of guy, and he would just every year he would be like, "Okay, you have to raise your rates." And every time I raised my rates when I was hourly, I would have to practice saying it out loud in the mirror, right? Because you're just like my rate is you know, like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying that to you, but yeah. just practice it in the mirror. And then my friend, John has a rule at his firm where they do like all flat fee billing. He's like, if, if people say yes to a price three times in a row, I need to raise the price, even if it's just a little bit, because you're not getting any pushback. Right. So it's like, just raise it 50 bucks. And so those are just a couple of hacks for the folks who are going like, I don't know if I can do it, you know, you, you can, it's, it just takes a little practice. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I had this exact conversation today with in a, in a previous conversation today's my recording day. So, um, this is like my fourth or fifth recording that I'm doing. Um, and the conversation was somebody said, I, you know, my close rate is a hundred percent. And I said, well, if your close rate is a hundred percent, you're not charging enough." You have to be charging enough that you're getting people to say no, you, because that is what is going to, to allow you to, to fil- filter out the clients that want to work with you at the clients that are not willing to pay the piper to work with you. And so that is like a, a massive indicator. So that, that's yep. right along those lines of if I get three yeses, it's like I if my close rate doesn't get nos in it, then I absolutely need to. Uh, flip the script on this and, and, and change the math. So I uh, love this and we're out of time. So uh, really great conversation. Usually I close out with what is like one Um, piece of advice that you would give, but we spent the entire episode with the three pieces of advice. So I don't, I'm not going to put you on the spot for another one, What I would like to do is give you an opportunity to share how somebody can, you know, get in touch with you, follow up with you, maybe get, you know, join your community. Um, I think we gave the URL at the beginning, but I'll just let you pitch it as well. Um, And I really appreciate you being here today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. If you want to be pen pals with me, you can find me at hackyourpractice.lawyer. And my whole kind of thing is, you know, I'm not selling anything, I'm just sort of going first. And so I decided, well, if I'm going to live out there on the edge of like doing all the things, I might as well share my journey with other lawyers. So it's kind of like if you are feeling nervous, but excited and you want to grow your firm. One way to feel like you're not doing it all alone is to be pen pals with me. (laughs) So come on over.
0: (laughs) Awesome, love it, love it. So go to hackerpractice.lawyer. We're gonna link that up in the show notes. Folks, if you enjoyed this episode, we bring awesome guests just like Jess to this podcast on the regular every Thursday. Uh, So just hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you're getting notified when we release new episodes. We're here twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday, it's just me, yours truly, right behind the microphone, sharing whatever's on my mind. Sometimes it might actually be valuable. And then on Thursdays, we have amazing guests that come on. And those are valuable every single time. Jess, really appreciate you being here today. Folks, we'll catch you on Tuesday. Take care. Enjoy. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning into the Profit With Law podcast. Your feedback is extremely valuable to us, as well as helping us reach more people with this valuable content. Please leave us a rating and review in your favorite podcast directory. Join us again next time when we are back with even more strategies to profit with law.